Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Pet Advice. I'm Kristen Carlson here live with Dr. Jim Carlson, holistic veterinarian and owner of Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center located in Chicago's northwest suburbs. We're in McHenry, Illinois. Dr. Carlson's quotes appear in dozens of publications you can find on the internet from MarthaStewart.com to PetMD, Rover.com, and so many others. Dr. Carlson practices a blend of Eastern and Western medicine and customizes treatments for each individual pet seen in this practice. We'd love to hear from you guys today. It's 866-472-5788. You can also reach out to us by email, holistic pet advice, holistic vet advice, sorry, at gmail.com. We're here today to inform pet owners of issues facing their pets, some trends in the industry, new treatments you might not know about that can help you with your pet. And we encourage you to discuss any issues with your own veterinarian or just track down Dr. Carlson on Facebook. Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice is our page name. You can get in touch with us to talk about your pet's care, find out more about our holistic program, and discover some of our favorite treats and foods. Um, You know, Facebook is a lot of fun. There's plenty of things you get to know people, all that stuff. But one of the things that I keep seeing on Facebook is um, lost dogs. Yeah. All the time. Like every day I... I open it up and just, you know, right around home, there are lost dogs all the time. Our dogs included. Yeah. <laughs> and a couple of our cats as well. Well, it is um, the most modern way to, to, to socialize. To get some help. Yeah. Some help, yeah. Right? So if you're a social media file, you've probably noticed this as well. So many listings. It's surprising to me how often dogs go missing, though, and just how many of these posts come across my feed every single day. But it turns out losing dogs is a very real problem. And with so many rescue dogs in America right now, a little education is needed. Just the person to do that is Susan Taney. She's the founder and director of Lost Dogs Illinois. Susan, we first talked last fall when a collie went missing after it was spooked by a school bus. That dog traveled for weeks and eventually ended up around Lake Geneva. This is a long way. And what I didn't know until we spoke is that dogs who go missing end up taking on like a whole new mentality. Can you explain a little bit about that to us? Because they are, um, they're either getting chased, they're, t- you know, they get their nose on a scent, and they become, they, be- they become undomesticated, I guess would be the best thing to uh, describe it as. But they're really surviving out in the woods or in the city or in the suburbs. And um, they do take on a different kind of behavior that is sometimes really hard for us humans to understand. Yeah, that one is difficult for me because, you know, I'm used to seeing posts about, you know, dog walks 300 miles to find its old family or, you know, those kinds of things. So this nature of becoming undomesticated really quickly is very interesting. So this collie that went all the way, what, 30 miles probably, roamed for weeks out in the wild. People were taking pictures of it but couldn't get anywhere near it. So, like, when you went to get that dog, because you assisted in finally being able to catch it, what was it like? Well, basically, we didn't even see him. 
Um, the collie was hiding the whole time, but we know he was watching us. And uh, when we, we set up what we call a Missy trap, and um, we actually put uh, what he was um, eating in the trap and then set up trail cameras, and um, he entered the Missy trap, because we always want to make sure that they're comfortable going into a trap. So majority of the times, we either bungee cord the um, door open, and if it's a regular conventional trap, we'll bungee cord the other door so the dog can get used to going in and out of a trap. But he went into the trap. We saw um, him there and uh, watched him on the trail camera. In fact, the person who was watching the tail cra- t- trail camera was actually in Tennessee, and she was texting us, telling us oh, what was really? going on, because we were sitting in the field. And finally, about three hours later, he was trapped in the, in the trap. Oh and a lot gosh. of this is what happens a lot of times, and I think that's really hard to understand, is that they're watching us, oh. and um, and that's how come we always say, you know, set up a routine. If you mm-hmm. know that your dog is out there and you've gotten sightings, set up that routine. Always, you know, go. Um, let's say you, you feed at three o'clock. Always go at three o'clock. Just set that food down and walk away, mm-hmm. and that dog will be hiding. It will come out and, and, you know, will eat. And also, it kind yeah. of, in a way, kind of establishes a relationship with the dog. And I really don't mm-hmm. want to say it like that, but it gets used to that same person. And we've had sometimes that the dogs get so used to the person who's bringing that food out that they'll come up to them. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So, when, was this dog handleable when you found him then? Was he snarling at you? What was his behavior like? Uh, he did not want us to be near him. So oh. we just let him settle. Mm-hmm. And then um, we were able to go into the trap and um, put a, le- uh, a slip lead over him. And we carried him out. And then he just collapsed in our in our uh, car. And we waited until mm-hmm. the owners came. Wow, that's and amazing. Kind of, and, okay. and then when the owner came, it was like a light switch. I mean, oh, he really? just went crazy when he saw his owner. Oh, that's, that's so cute. Yeah, he was a good family dog before he uh, returned to the wild. I just hope that they got all the mud and the mats out of him after that happened. You know, they did. They sent me a picture. Oh, and good, the dog good. was all cleaned up and everything. So how but long does it take for a big. dog to return to its wild roots when it's separated from a family and on the run? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's individual. You know, I mean, I would say... You know, sometimes it's really hard, especially if your dog is already a shy, timid dog. Like my own dog was um, was very shy and timid, and when um, he just kind of sat in the background, and but that was his personality before he went missing. Mm. Okay. So if you have a really friendly dog, but but like I say, you know, each dog's an individual, so you really can't say some dogs just click right away some dogs it takes some time okay all right it seems my facebook feed is jammed with lost dogs um why do you think that is why do you see more of those lost dogs uh showing up well first of all we're adopting out more dogs we're adopting out more shy timid dogs and i think you know the general public is not used to um working with dogs that are, you know, very shy, timid, scared, you know, and um, 
and a lot of these dogs are getting loose, you know, <laughs> during transports. They're getting lost after they get adopted. We, we have people that'll, that will um, send in their report and said, we just got our dog home and it slipped, the lead. It slipped out of the collar. Oh, wow, yeah. And, and the same with foster homes. So it is our responsibility as rescues and shelters to really discuss, you know, how we need to keep these animals safe. And these are not your friendly, wiggly type of dogs that we have adopted out in the past. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a dog's are- nature, too, to go see what's out there and explore, right? Right. But I think, I, I think that's true, too. But a lot of times we overwhelm these dogs, you know, when we take them out, when we adopt them. They need to get home. They need to be safe. And they need to de- decompress. And I think that's oh, okay. a really important thing that, that we need to get out to people who are adopting Dogs. So there's there's like a process to this. It's not just like bringing the dog home, feeding it water, giving it water, and walking it and stuff. Well, I think that's true. Yes, but I think what a lot of people do is, oh, I'm going to take my dog to the dog park. I'm going to take the dog to PetSmart. I'm going to take my dog here. I'm going to have, you know, the whole family come over and visit our newly adopted dog, which that gives it more opportunity for the dog to escape. So I always uh, say, kind of bring the dog home, let it chill out. How long? It's again, it depends on the dog. Oh, okay. okay. I have so I have one dog that it, it's taken me almost six to seven years, and that's through using a lot of shy dog training. I used to assist on that, um, getting him out, and um, you know, and getting him used to people. But I still have a martingale collar and a harness on him when I walk. Walk him. Wow. Because wow. I want to keep him safe. So how do you? How many dogs happen. has Lost Dogs of Illinois assisted with? Are you just in Illinois or are you throughout the country? I We're just in Illinois, but I also um, am a co-director of Lost Dogs of America. And okay. we have um, some kind of presence in every state. And uh, But Lost Dogs of America is more of an educational Facebook page. We do not post lost and found dogs. We have uh, approximately reunited 50,000 dogs in the last 10 years. But oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That is a community effort. We are talking animal control. We are talking veterinarians. We are talking the public. We are talking our fans who are making matches. I mean, oh. it's not just us. And it's, it has been a really a community effort because we do have small groups that are within the state that if they see a dog like that's missing in Peoria, there's a group mm-hmm. in Peoria that will contact the family and say, how can we help you? Nice. Or the same thing in Lake County, same thing in um, DuPage County and Chicago. I mean, it's, that was our goal. We want to teach people how to fish. We want to teach people how to work together to get these lost dogs home. Yeah, and you have such a, like an engaged community. Everyone's so nice and supportive about just trying to bring that animal home. Right, and, and that's doing our goal. The best really, for for the pet. And what I love is that when we first started out, you know, we would, you know, there'd be a picture of a dog that was kind of matted, you know, dirty, and that first reaction was, "Don't let that dog go back to its owner." No way. Yes. This dog has been abused, neglected. 
And through these last 10 years, people have under, are starting to understand that could be a dog who has been lost for several oh. days, weeks. Or it depends on the kind of um, hair the dog has. It's really fine. It doesn't take that long for a dog to become matted. And there's mm-hmm. certain breeds who lose weight faster when they're oh. out on their own. Yeah. So we have yeah. a whole we have a non-judgmental page in our so That's what I like it. about it. You know, it's it's yep. everybody's just like doing their best to support people and put their animals back home with them and yep. all that like critical stuff that's, you know, has gone around all the social media, especially on animal sites, veterinary sites. You guys just don't yep. have that. And you've done a lot in the way of education to make that work. And we and our fans will comment if someone makes a derogatory comment. Mm-hmm. And I, Good. I so we really don't even have to um, monitor our page that much oh, because good. our fans do yeah. it for us. Nice, <laughs> <That's> nice. <good>. You've <laughs> trained them well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how, we give them um, treats every time they they're positive. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yes. Yeah, right. Clicker training. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> like, how can someone get involved um, in in a lost dog type um, social media page? You know, not all of us are going to find a lost dog, but we can all help, right? Right. If you see someone that posts on a page, or you know a neighbor, or you see something, you know, you know, I mean, through other social media, ask them to please file a report with Lost Dogs Illinois. And what we do is um, it actually gets posted on Twitter and Facebook. There is a human behind each post. We're not bots. And we send out a text message. And a lot of times we form um, conversations with these people. Let's say it's a dog that's lost in a rural area. We actually have an article that is focused towards to give you tips and resources on what to do if your dog is lost in the rural area or if your dog goes missing from a disaster or a fire or, you know, gets lost from a place other than your home. We have resources that we can share with people. So oh, okay. So that's one, you know, so, you can ask them to file with us. Uh-huh. So or it's a little different if, person, if your dog's lost in the country than, say, in the city, Right. Right, you have different recovery. I mean, I think people forget that you need to, you know, like let's say my dog gets lost. I live out in the country. I'd be calling the farrier. I'd be calling anybody that would uh, deliver, um, you know, grain, feed. Oh, I never thought about that. Facility. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, horse boarding, because, I mean, that would be a, an attraction for a dog to come to because there's horse feet and there's mm-hmm. shelter. Um you know, um, abandoned farms, you want to go and check there. You know, I mean, we've had dogs that have fallen in empty silos. So you need to go out to that oh. property and look. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, this is interesting. What about someone taking your dog? Like, well, what do you, you know, what do you do about that situation? Just try to well, get the word out? we treat it the same way. We, we treat it the same way. First of all, you have to dis- find out why did that person was that person really stealing the dog or was that dog a good Samaritan who thought oh geez this dog is lost I'm going uh-huh. to take him home and I'm going to try to find an owner we actually had a situation where the dog was uh, trained 
with the electric fence. Mm-hmm. And he was laying on his owner's driveway. Oh. And the lady coaxed the dog into her car, took it to the sh- to animal control, and here's this poor guy ended up paying something like $300, $400 to get his dog out. Oh, jeez. Oh, my. So, See, that kind, yeah, of, so we kind always, of the similar situation happened to us recently because our dog likes to hang out at the end of the driveway. He'll find the newspaper. Yeah. And obviously, you know, he wasn't lost. He no. he was just kind right. of standing at the end of the driveway and somebody did that to us too. You know, I mean, of course, he shouldn't have been standing alone at the end of the driveway. But, um, but <laughs> so that wasn't good. Yeah, but he's still on the property, you know. And yeah, it, but that's so, happened like you know, twice yeah. to us, actually, yeah. two times. Yeah. yeah, once it ended up well, in the vet know, clinic, and, and once <laughs> yeah. once he ended up with animal control, and when they were right outside the driveway, and when they went to pick him up, he sat up pretty and did his tricks. Who are you? And you know what? And that's how come we always tell people for you know. When you pick up a dog, go door to door. You know, find out. You know, maybe it is just the neighbor dog. Or make sure your dog has an ID tag. So, um, you know, we just just posted a story of a FedEx man who brought uh, this dog back to its owner's home. um, Uh and And the only reason why he got to bring it home was because the dog had an ID tag. So... He was able, oh. he picked up the dog, took him in his FedEx truck, brought him back, and the people were out of town, and it was somebody oh. who, I don't know, I can't remember if it was somebody pet-sitting or what, but, you know, he didn't have to go to animal control, so that, you know, so the dog doesn't get stressed out, the volunteers and employees don't get stressed out, and yes. it also saves taxpayers money. It's true, yeah, that true, is true. exactly true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's well-meaning, but it just makes more yeah. sense to just ask the neighbor, is this your dog? Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there are some people that do take, there are people out there that do take dogs. But what you want to do is that you want it. first of all, you got to make sure that dog was really taken. Was that dog really taken? Was it stolen? Okay. And I think a lot of times people think, well, my dog's been stolen where possibly it's not, it wandered down maybe two or three blocks and someone picked up the dog to keep it safe. So if you sit there and you put out this dog is stolen, that person might be afraid to bring that dog back because... Oh, that's true. I suppose like that. You always kind of wonder, but I guess it would make somebody like, oh gosh, are they going to think I took it on purpose? Right. And they might just release that dog. Yeah. So, so you release that one so, from your f- online vocabulary at first, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, anything else uh, in the world of lost dogs, Susan? Well, it's spring, so there's new scents, new smells. Um, dogs are going to be wanting to kick up their heels and start exploring. So, you know, just make sure that you're you have a readable, up to date ID tag. Make sure okay. your microchip is registered to you, and um, you know, keep your dog on a leash. Oh, I like this tip and you gave sure us one other time. And you said, um, and I looked them up um, on Amazon. They had these really long leashes. Can you tell us about yeah. the long leash thing that you have going? 
Oh, it's a, what it is, it's a 25-foot training lead, and we always, when someone adopts out a new dog, especially if, even though they have a fenced yard, I always say put a 25-foot uh, long leash because you never know, you know, that dog could dig out or that dog could jump over. There might be something, yeah. you know, at least if anything, you can grab the leash because you really don't want to grab a dog around its collar because that dog might react and turn around and snap back at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, and if they've got, what, 20 feet on you, <laughs> you can still reach down and get it. Right. So yeah, exactly. It's like a long arm, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they can exactly. move pretty quick. Yeah. So <laughs> good. Well, that's interesting. I, I really like that one, and uh, I'm gonna probably pick up a couple of those just in case. <laughs> so good. Yeah, All right. Well, too. thank you, Susan Taney, uh, founder and director of Lost Dogs Illinois. You can look into Lost Dogs Illinois on Facebook, and then uh, also your national organization is called Lost Dogs of the U.S. or of America. Of America, and sorry. I just want to make okay. sure. Lost Dogs of America. It, yeah, some really good advice that dogs. I didn't even actually really know yeah. that I needed or that anyone else needed. I just had no idea. That's incredible. Yeah, it's really good. Thanks again, Susan, for being here today. And thank you for having me on. Have a great day. Oh. Okay, you too. All right, good. All right, so moving on today, you know, people are getting really concerned about the coronavirus and the spread from pets to humans after a pet was discovered with a weak positive test for COVID-19. What's going on with this, Jim? Well, the latest development on that on Friday, February 28th, there was news of a dog in Hong Kong that was quarantined after a sample obtained from its nasal cavity and mouth got a weak positive. Okay, and so that, uh, for the virus that causes the COVID-19, and um, the owner had tested positive for SARS and also for COVID-19. So the the consequences of the weak positive right now aren't really known. So are um, they saying that this dog got this from the owner? Well, it's unclear how the dog actually got it, but it's probably... There's, there's several reasons. One is it, it could be due to the actual infection. It could be environmental contamination. So like it just breathed it in and it just yeah. was sitting there. It's not necessarily going to get sick from it. It's just something that ended up in its nasal cavity. Right. Because, uh, you know, people that have the flu, um, you know, at home, you can actually uh, swab the flu virus from the dog's nasal cavity. And it because they're they're breathing it in, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get infected and, and be transmitting it. Okay. Uh, but the other concerns were maybe cross reactivity, or maybe it was just a bad test. But um, but uh, the Hong Kong officials said the dog is showing no clinical signs, uh, is doing great. It's under quarantine, and they will continue to monitor it and test it for for further problems. But okay. so far, so good. So no reason to panic about your dog getting it from you. No. Okay. Your dog doesn't really get a lot of stuff from you. Yeah. And the AVMA did report that there are no cases in the United States of dogs that have, have been tested positive for, for oh, COVID-19. Okay. All right. So many people are worried about how to protect themselves in an outbreak of something like COVID-19. And we've seen hand sanitizer sold out. Toilet paper is actually being rationed by stores. And there's a bit of a panic around just making sure there are enough supplies. And one of those is pharmaceuticals. The pet supply chain, like all the drugs... Um, often made in China. Um, what about drugs and supplies in our pet care? Well, there, the AVMA has been collecting information from the field, so veterinarians and, and other suppliers and, uh, and manufacturers 
so far, there's been no problems, but um, the effort is with the FDA to identify and, and mitigate potential supply shortages. Uh, the COVID-19 has raised some concerns about the potential issues with the medical and pharmaceutical supplies being in short supply due to shipping and distribution issues. Okay. Uh, as of this report, no shortages or problems were reported by any of the animal drug companies uh, that, and they are use China as uh, to do what they call finished drug and end product. Uh, finishing before it's shipped over here. There's like 27 companies that what do that. What is finishing? What's that mean? Uh, they may put the labels on them. They may uh, oh. encapsulate them, things like that. Oh. Uh, just kind of, they don't manufacture the product over there, but they kind of finish it uh, to keep the cost uh, for medical supplies lower. Uh, but well, they the, probably man- they manufacture quite a bit of it, right. but just not, there's finishing and manufacturing are two different things. Right. Okay, I got it. And um, I guess six of the the 32 companies have actually reported to the FDA that they were seeing distribution uh, or disruptions, I should say, that could lead to shortages in the future, but it hasn't been real specific. Um, You can go to the the FDA. It's called www.fda.gov website. Uh, They are sharing this information on the website about the availability of drugs and medical supplies. Um, So far, it hasn't been a problem for animals and people. Uh, but uh, probably the most critical would be drugs that were or, or pets that were on the long-term medications. And we've been experiencing supply chain problems for years now. Um, you know, drugs that we use suddenly going off the market, no good anymore. You know, it, it's it's something that's um, found throughout human and veterinary medicine uh, due to FDA crackdowns. manufacturing plants, that kind of thing. So lots of, um, you know, hopefully it won't be any worse than it already is. Right. But we'll have to see. So um, I'm curious if there's anything anyone can do to protect themselves against, you know, infectious disease without, you know, just hoarding supplies or hand sanitizer, that kind of thing. Um, And I was thinking in integrative veterinary medicine, we do so many different things that are natural that, might work in this situation. Do you have anything up your sleeve? Well, we we just have to remember the body or the patient ourselves. Okay. Uh, we do have natural surveillance mechanisms in our body. If we kind of think about it, if uh, if you have a group of people that have been exposed to the virus, not everybody gets it. So there's a natural disease surveillance in the body and also a natural mechanism to clear it out. Uh, so if we're just conscious of that and using different uh, products um, such as uh, CoQ10 um, uh, and also uh, vitamin C, for example, okay. uh, can be very good products to help boost the immune system and help with the surveillance. So when we had that big dog flu outbreak, um, mm. it started actually in Chicago. It was a very serious and very quick um, moving virus or dog flu mm-hmm. that happened a couple of years ago. Um what are some of the things that you guys did um, to kind of advise people on the dog flu? Well, um, the the fastest thing was, uh, ident- of course, identifying the cause. Uh, and then the prevention side was uh, incorporating vaccination to those dogs that weren't sick. Uh, we did use uh, Chinese and Western herbs to support the efforts of any antibiotics or fluid therapy in those dogs that were uh, became ill. 
Okay. And also, um, it, it is important uh, during an outbreak, even though sometimes you don't like the word vaccination, that it does help to get that under control. Mm-hmm. So you don't want a widespread problem. Yeah. Okay. So anything you could do naturally in the forefront to kind of keep yourself from getting sick or your pet from getting sick is is uh, always good, yeah, right? Plenty of rest, fluids. All right. Yeah. Okay. So have you ever thought about hiring a pet sitter but didn't know who to trust? Our next guest will talk about finding a safe sitter for your pet and how to recognize someone you can trust. Call us with questions about your pet's health or treatment plan, 800-472-5788. We'll be back in a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to awesome woo woo holistic vet advice. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we've got a little woo-woo to talk about a little bit later on. Yeah. Uh, today, though, we want to take a moment to talk about pet sitting. The pet sitting and dog walking is a business that's exploding. But as pet owner and homeowner, it can be difficult to figure out who to trust. A search in our immediate area showed dozens of pet sitters and dog walkers, but really no way to tell who's responsible or who's got a legitimate business, who has experience. And so a lot of pet owners are always asking us, who do you think I should call? Kristen Morrison knows all about this business. She started her pet sitting and dog walking company in the mid-90s, and it grew to be one of the largest in California. Kristen is the founder of Six Figure Pet Sitting Academy and Six Figure Pet Business Academy, which provides coaching and education to sitters, walkers, trainers, and groomers across North America, the UK, and Australia. Thanks for joining us today, Kristen. I'm so happy to be here. Hello. Hi. Well, can you describe some of the common concerns that pet owners have when thinking of hiring someone in the industry? Absolutely. So, you know, some of the biggest concerns they have are, you know, is this person trustworthy? Not only are they going to be taking care of their beloved pets, but often their home if they are actually coming into the home or staying in the home while the while the client is traveling, and so that that's a big concern. Two of their most prized and important uh, possessions—not that an animal is a possession—but you know what I mean. So yeah, that I do. that can raise a lot of uh, concerns for people, and so it's really really important to be mindful about who you're hiring and how you're hiring, and to really find the right fit for both your pets and for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've worked with a lot of people around this, both in my own company when I had my pet sitting company and then in working with a lot of pet sitters and how to really, you know, alleviate client concerns because people have a lot of concerns. Yeah, about trust that. is a huge factor in this. Oh, it's enormous. And, you know, it's interesting because I love the name of your show, by the way. It's, Thanks. <laughs> it, oh, thank it's right up my alley. I, I'm into the woo-woo, and I do live in California, so <laughs> it's part of, part of living here for the most part. But, um, you know, when I, when I think about clients, you know, pet owners finding the right person, I think it start with, starts with the gut. I mean, it's it's finding that person and and interviewing them, but it's also really, you know, do you feel comfortable with them? And a lot of people have feelings that come up when they meet someone or like flashes of insight, like whether they trust someone or not. And a lot of people don't listen to that. They Mm -hmm. push it down. And, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, the author of Blink, uh, it's a fabulous book on intuition and how... When we don't listen to it, it definitely can backfire and bite us in the butt later on. And, you know, hiring somebody to take care of your pets in your home is really big uh, decision to make. And so I just really want to encourage those pet owners who are out there to really trust their gut. You know, when they had that initial flash of yes or no about Mm -hmm. this person to really listen to that and not look at a resume or a website. Those things are very important, but even more important is the initial, you know, feeling that they have about that person when they're 
right in front of them. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's an industry that, you know, it's not really regulated, I guess. I mean, there's nope, not, it's uh, not, nope. not, you know, like an educational requirement and a license that you have to get like mm-hmm. a veterinarian. And the number exactly. of things that could go wrong <laughs> is yes. tremendous. So, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you know, there are some, there have to be some parameters people could look for since really anyone could oh, open a yes. business as a dog walker, right? Mm-hmm. Or a pet sitter. Exactly. So is insurance yes. or being bonded uh, important? Absolutely. So that is definitely something to look for. And, you know, some people who are just doing it on their own choose not to get bonded because they they know that they're not going to steal something. But the thing is, is that I really recommend when I'm coaching pet sitters and dog walkers and they ask me, should I get bonding insurance? I say, absolutely, because it's for your clients. They need to know that they can trust you and that helps. So definitely look for somebody that is insured and bonded. Um, some people can be certified as well, like a certified pet sitter, and they oh. can get that through Pet Sitters International or uh, National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. So those associations offer certification. Just because somebody isn't certified, though, doesn't mean that they're not a good pet sitter. It just means they haven't done that additional training. Um, I would also definitely call references, you know, at least three in your area that have had that person recently care for their pets. So that's something to really take note, as well as how long they've been in business. Because ideally, as a pet owner, you want a long-term relationship with this pet sitter so that, you know, you're pets develop a relationship, you do too. You can trust them, know that they're going to be available. So, you know, I would ask them, how long have you been in business? It can't even hurt to ask, how long do you want to be in business? (laughs) You know, is this something you want to do for a number of years? Because that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about that. Yep. It's important to know that they're going to be there for you in the long term. I mean, you can't guarantee that, but, you know, it'd be nice to know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you you want somebody who's not also just looking for another job right away. So <laughs> they abandon your dog in the exactly. middle of the trip or something, right? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, the safe tip-offs, if you're just, like, Googling this, if you're online and you're like, I mm-hmm. need someone... And you're going through websites or just, you know, sometimes uh-huh. like Thumbtack is one where it promotes yes. people's businesses, but doesn't, I don't uh-huh. know if Thumbtack does, but some of them don't necessarily vet you. So no, what are some don't. tip-offs online um, that were, this is a, might be a good yeah. situation? Definitely look at the uh, reviews. Those are important. A lot of people wonder, like, do reviews matter? They really matter. And so, you know, when I hire somebody on Thumbtack, not that I hire pet sitters there, but when I've hired other service providers, I definitely check out reviews. And because I tend to go for the ones who have the highest, you know, number of reviews, I have consistently had a great experience. So it's the same with pet sitters. And I would also, when you find somebody online, I would Google their name, 
you know, to see what else is out there. Sometimes Yelp will pop up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Angie's List reviews. Um, so I would definitely kind of back that up with Yelp to see if, you know, what their Yelp reviews are like. And again, even if you see great reviews, getting references that you can actually call and talk to people, I think is a really important thing. And it, it's understandable that you would want to do that if you're having somebody in your home. So don't be concerned about, you know, asking for too much as a pet okay. owner. I think more is better when it comes to really vetting who's going to be, you know, taking care of your pets in your home. Okay. So to be a tip off too, I suppose, if somebody didn't want to start providing you with any of that info. Exactly. And if you can't find any of that information, they don't have reviews. Mm -hmm. Okay. In terms of uh, veterinary advice, I always tell clients, you know, uh, unfortunately, Mayhem and now his new younger brother of or Murphy and his new younger brother, Mayhem, I should say, show up and cause chaos at uh-huh. the front doorstep. And um, so in event of emergency, how do you approach that with the clients? Yeah, so, I mean, I recommend that, you know, some things need to be dealt with in the moment without taking the time to call a client and asking, how do I deal with this? Some things need to actually be dealt with. So, you know, it's so important for pet sitters and dog walkers to have common sense when it comes to dealing with emergencies. And so when I'm, you know, when I had my business, I would have my pet sitters and dog walkers, if they needed to deal with something, to just do it, you know, in the moment quickly if that needed Mm -hmm. to happen. But if it didn't, if it was something like, I'm not sure how to deal with this, what do I do, um... I was always available as the business owner, but then definitely to call the client and ask them because nobody knows their pets better than the pet owner. And they can really help, you know, weed out what is perhaps not a big deal and what is because they're so in tune. Most people are very in tune with their pets. I think the important part of it is just communicating with each other. It is. And, you know, I I like to err on the side of more communication rather than less. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, even if clients may be like, ah, annoyed, you know, they're on vacation. But I think it's better to have more information than not enough when it comes to pets and houses. So, you know, I definitely am a big believer in just asking, you know, um, how do I deal with this? Or, or is this typical with your dog? You know, this type of behavior, because this is what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your business now? Yeah. So I, I sold my pet sitting company about six years ago. Okay. And actually, since the year 2000, I've been coaching pet sitters and dog walkers on how to create a successful business. So I've been doing that for now 20 years. It's hard to believe. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And I have written five books, and I'm working on my sixth book for pet business owners. Um, Some of the titles are 30 Days to Start and Grow Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business. And then I have Six Figure Pet Business and some other titles. And I do webinars. I have online courses. It's just such a delight to help people really turn their love of pets into a viable business. And for a lot of people who 
go into this profession, they don't have business experience. I didn't when I started. I had never taken a business course. So I had to really learn through trial and error in terms of running a business. You know, loving pets is wonderful and it begins the process for starting a pet business, but it Mm -hmm. definitely doesn't help you succeed in the long run. So that's where I come in and I just, I absolutely love helping people you know, either start their business or take it to the next level, wherever that next level is for them. Oh, that's neat. That sounds uh, sounds kind of interesting and something that a lot of people might benefit from if they're thinking about getting involved in this industry because it is a great industry. It's so much fun. And who doesn't want to go to work oh. and get to hang out with animals all day? Right. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. I felt like I had to pinch myself. You know, uh-huh. m- most days, because I'm getting paid to walk dogs, you know, take care of animals, help people. It's such a needed uh, help, you know, for people that work or that are traveling. They want to know that they can trust whoever, you know, is providing they want to have their care. dogs taken care, and, taken care of at home uh, rather than yeah. have to, yes. you know, some dogs just don't do well in a kennel environment. It's true. Most, I would say most dogs don't because they're, you know, dogs are creatures of habit just like we are. And they like, they like being in their own environment. Not every dog, but but a lot of dogs really thrive in, in their own environment rather than in somebody else's. Yeah. Well, good. Well, um, it's been great talking with you. I would totally hire you as a dog sitter. You sound like so such a cool thank chick. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Good. I appreciate that. I yeah, yeah that and I'm going to check lot. out uh, the Six Figure Pet Business Academy and the Six Figure Pet Sitting Academy as well on Facebook. Wonderful. And uh, so good. Well, thank you so much. Very informative. Oh, you're welcome. It's All been right. my Thanks pleasure. Again. Thank you. Uh, okay. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, today that was she's a very nice lady. What a great, great that would Kristen make Morrison. me feel totally at at home. Yes. you know, being away from home and yeah. having her. Sit your, for the your pets. gut instinct would be, uh, yeah. I think, on target with her, like she was talking about. Yeah, good. So um, we have some listener questions uh, today. We're starting with coconut oil. Is it a good diet supplement, and what else can you use it for? Well, the components of the the mean chain. Triglycerides, medium chain triglycerides include. So that's why acid. it's called MCT oil. MCT oil. Okay. Uh, it has antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, really anti everything here. Uh, capric acid and caprylic acid, which are known for their antifungal effects. And there's other acids that are polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fatty acids. So uh, okay. those so- median chain triglycerides are. Uh, what some vets believe that these uh, that are available in coconut oil aid in digestion, can uh, heal digestive disorders, uh, can improve brain energy and mental function in older dogs. So a lot of people say they've I've been given my older dog coconut oil to help them with their their senility. A lot of people use it for like skin stuff too. So I know people will rub it on their dog's nose when it's all dry Mm -hmm. and the dry nose can't be fun for a dog. No, it's very uncomfortable. um, Especially during the flaky and yucky looking too. Yeah. But I've seen dogs completely turn around with a little coconut oil applied to their nose. Yeah. It's soothing, uh, protective, especially if it's dried and cracked. So bacteria doesn't get into those little cracks and, um, 
and of course reduces inflammation. It's um, you know in in terms of of what it does for digestion, it it helps to reduce leaky gut syndrome uh, okay. by going in and and actually helping to balance the microbiome and reducing the the level of contaminants that can leak into the gut. So it's a good choice in any digestive program, especially if your pet has digestive sensitivities. Uh, of course, any allergy program uh, is one of those, what they call nutraceuticals, just a beneficial uh, way to treat or to manage your pet through the diet. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All Okay, so everybody's Christmas puppies are getting a little bit older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're chewing everything oh, up. Goodness. So someone wants to know, is there a natural deterrent for puppies to keep them from chewing stuff up? Well, there you removing can, them from the scene of the crime is probably number one, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Puppy proof your house. Number yes. one. Try to pick up everything that you think they could chew. They'll probably chew. And they'll chew other stuff they'll when you do that, but stuff. it's just gonna happen. It's they they have to learn how their world works through their mouth. Just like little kids, you always see little kids putting stuff in their mouth. Puppies got to do the same thing. They got to figure this out. Is it like this, a sensory thing? Yeah, it's they uh, they pick up vibes from their mouth, um, the the taste, the touch, uh, and they learn is is that edible? Is that hard? Is that soft? Hot? Cold? Yeah. Uh, just like a little kid uh, explores their world. So. So uh, I see there's like a bitter apple spray on the market. Is mm-hmm. that something that you would do? Definitely, especially items that you don't want them uh, to chew on. Uh, this product can be safely sprayed on there to provide a bitter taste when they that they don't like. It's not harmful to them, but they mm-hmm. just don't like the taste of it. So it it's a deterrent. Okay, it doesn't work in every case, but you know it, you, it might be hard on your. I wonder if it's hard on your furniture and stuff. Um, you have to apply it to a non uh, conspicuous area first to make sure. But uh, most of these products are safe to use on. Uh, you know, on furniture and clothing and things like that. Oh, okay. And then one more question today. Seven, are there any natural remedies for dog anxiety? There is a lot out there. And it's exercise, always... Exercise, number one. You got to exercise a pet. Uh, natural cortisol in the body is just like for ourselves. It's been proven time and time and again to release uh, anxiety over and over Um releases hormones that make you feel good, endorphins. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a dog who's kind of like that right now, our golden retriever, and he does really well in his CBD treats. Yeah. So that's pretty good. CBD oil works great. Um, there the are... uh, rescue remedy from the Bach flower remedies, that is one you've prescribed in the past. They have a pet version. Yeah. Don't use the human version because it has alcohol and you don't right. want to give that to your pets. You want to use the pet version of rescue remedy. Right. Okay. So you've had success with that in the past as well. There's calming treats. There's, you know, vests like the Thunder Shirt. We have a vest here that plays music. It's like tonal therapy. Um, in addition to being like hugged by that vest, mm-hmm. uh, those are those are supposed to be really good too. So And having some dog or cat TV on. Dog know. or cat TV. They love to, some dogs love to watch TV. Brandy does. She loves dog TV. (laughs) She does. She likes cartoons. (laughs) I don't blame her. They're kind of fun. They are. Uh, So, um, and one more thing we want to talk about today, dogs who swim. So, talk about an anxiety reliever. Oh, what a great way, especially dogs who love water. And they also make great strides in overcoming some structural and even weight issues. Swimming is 
obviously great for dogs, right? Absolutely. It's a, especially for older patients that may have problems with their, their joints and muscles, uh, it makes them more buoyant. So there's not that pounding force that the ground gives back okay. on their feet. Uh, but really for all dogs, um, I know when I swim, I really get tired afterwards. So yeah. you think, well, I'm in the water, I'm cooled off, I'm not really doing much, but you're really exercising. You're really, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So can every dog swim the same amount? No, you have to be careful because it is an exercise. Uh, okay. Older patients probably shouldn't go as much as younger dogs. Okay. So you really have to gauge it on an individual basis and what would, they can tolerate. Well, like maybe an older dog just be better in a water treadmill or even just like a pool that's not very deep that they could just walk through. Yeah, good place to start. Okay. Uh, because uh, that gives them a very good exercise. You still get that buoyant effect. Uh, but you don't want to start off in the in a lake of water, you know. Okay. Uh, because if they get exhausted, unfortunately, then uh, you know there could be some real consequences with that. So starting in a pool or waiting area is is really good idea. Okay, just walking around in there and kind of walking around in there, getting things moving. Yeah. Um, what about underwater treadmills? Um, they're great for physical therapy. Um, usually have a certified person there that's that's working the equipment okay. and, and you're going to see a lot more maybe in veterinary offices and places like that as well. Uh-huh. Uh, they work extremely well to help uh, stretch the joints out and get those, especially with those back femoral muscles strong again, because those are the major muscles that protect the knee from hyperextending. Oh, really? Uh, and the, takes the pressure off the low back to get those hips loosened up, mm-hmm. you know, so it works in really really well and it works so well because your the weight of the animal is kind of held up yeah correct by the water just kind of bouncy Boyant. so you kind of you know how it feels in the water it kind of supports you a little bit it's yeah. a softer cushion oh. it's not so hard as just walking on a, like a concrete surface or something like that okay what would be some issues though because this is cropping up in a lot of places the swimming and that kind of thing cropping up all over so well, first of all, if your dog didn't like the water, that's not a good idea to try to force them in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other thing is just finding reputable places and to make sure that they're certified and that they uh, uh, they know how to handle their par- their pet. Um, also, maybe certified in physical therapy as well. Oh, okay. All yeah. right, good. So you can, uh, thanks for, for all that info today, Jim. Sure. Uh, you can get in touch with us at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. So be sure to do that. You can ask us any questions you'd like. Track us down at our Facebook page, Awesome Woo Woo, Holistic Vet Advice. And uh, we'd love to stay in touch with you, answer any of your questions, and even put your question on the air next time, okay? Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And uh, we'll see you soon for Awesome Woo Woo, Holistic Vet Advice. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your host, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.